I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 65, with guest Rachel Rice. All links and resources you hear in this episode can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 65. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, and I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Miss Rachel Rice. So let me tell you a little bit about Rachel. She's an artist, writer, teacher, and speaker. She travels, teaches, performs, and creates nonstop. She's devoted most of her life to teaching others how to move through fear and confusion into creative expression. Her background is in critical pedagogy and constructivist theory and educating for democracy with a concentration in art and English. She says her heart beats for social justice, for equality, and for conscious awareness of her extreme privilege to be able to be of service in this life. Her work matters because the answers to the world's problems will come from very, very creative people. To be able to engage in the creative process, to find your flow, to fully express something inside of you creates healing. She is here to remind you, we all need healing. And we will talk a lot about creativity. I'm ecstatic to bring you this topic. It's one that's been on my mind a lot. And I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that we are in open registration for the Self-Love Revolution. It is the yearly intensive that I teach with my best friend, Amy Smith, over at the Joy Junkie. And we have a little bit left to register, but if you guys want to get in on the half price deal, then you have to register very soon. Within the next few days, that price is going to go up. So please go to theselflovevolution.com. You'll get all the information there. We start the first week of October. It's an eight-week intensive where we take you through four main topics around self-love to create healing for your and to allow you to get to where you are now, to a place of self-love. I would love to be able to support you with that, theselflovevolution.com. And without further ado, here is Rachel. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 65. I am here with Rachel Rice, and you all heard about her and her fancy bio. So I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on, Rachel. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Andrea. And you and I have corresponded via comments on Facebook for so long and just mm-hmm. like kind of like been eyeballing each other. Like I see mm-hmm. you and you're funny and I want to know you. Totally. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I've known her on Facebook for years. I know, right? Like old friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about time. It's great. It is about time. And I'm so happy to have you here and, and talking about creativity and getting more into your body. And you don't know this yet, but I'm kind of dragging all my podcast listeners with me on my own personal development journey, I think, as we kind of do in this world. But for me, and I think a lot of my people listening, um, and of course, I can only speak for myself when I say this, but I have, as a highly, um, you know, high achiever, overachiever sometimes, I tend to be all up in my head most of the time. Mm. Um, You're checking things off my to-do list and not tapping into my body. So recently I've made the decision that I'm going to make more of an effort to do that. And I'm mindful that I don't want it to be another thing on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, uh, every morning I'm going to meditate. And then I, you know what I mean? Because then it can just turn into chores that don't mean anything. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have people like you on here that are experts in this field and that really, um, just hone that skill. And so, which leads mm-hmm. me to my first question for you is, I love that you say that the body is the number one resource for getting information about how to be more successful in mm-hmm. all things. Mm-hmm. So can you please tell us all the things about that? I know it's a really general, things. but yeah. sure. <laughs> go for it. Riff, okay. my dear. Um, well, I, I think I'm on the same similar kind of, of journey where I've spent you know most of my like even childhood sort of living more in my head and sort of imagining myself as more of like a sort of intellectual person. Um, and I wasn't super athletic. And so I kind of took a lot of refuge in, you know, just like being a, a, a fairly like a bright, um, you know, kind of thinker oriented human. And, um, I think a lot of us, especially like women who, you know, have lived through some things and whether you're like a certified sort of highly sensitive person or, you know, you've had some trauma or you've just like, you know, been, uh, like a, a female on planet earth. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you, like we tend to sort of shut down the body's kind of responses because they can be so, so strong. They can mm-hmm. be so overwhelming. Um, I think that, you know, at this point, our nervous systems, like everyone's sort of collective nervous system is pretty pretty tapped out. Um, so there's a tendency to kind of, you know, move away from the body as this instrument of understanding and getting information, which is often kind of, um, intuitive and nonverbal and, um, just feelings and, um, you know, feelings aren't necessarily the things that are the most valued in, in our culture and even in ourselves, you know, doing, thinking those, you know, action items are kind of more, you know, um, like emphasize. So absolutely. Well, know, and, and just to yeah. jump in real quick, it's like, mm-hmm. how many of us have heard you're too emotional? And it's like, we don't want to be the quote unquote hysterical person. Yes. And, you know, yes. putting our, like, keep your emotions out of this, especially I, I, I feel like in the workplace for, for exactly. most women. Exactly. Yes. Don't, don't be so, don't be so sensitive. Um, and, but it, but it turns out actually that, all the information that we get, um, even that we process through our, you know, cognition and through our mind actually comes through our human 
organism. It comes through our body. Um, and you can really, you know, get a lot of information and understand what to do, you know, really understand how to be in the world by paying attention to how your body is reacting to things. You can really, um, understand how, you know, sometimes you just have like that feeling about somebody, right. And you're mm-hmm. sort of like, I don't know what it is about them, yes. but you know, I am uncomfortable. Like your, your, you know, your heart rate can go up. There's all kinds of like kind of, um, somatic or, or, or body experiences that happen that are like little kind of downloads, you know, that you're like, man, I can't really even verbalize why, you know, I don't, why I don't like this person or whatever. And how quickly we talk ourselves out of that for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the more we sort of are tuned into how our body is responding to our environment, then the better decisions we can make. And that obviously the better decisions we can make, you know, the more successful we're going to be, the more we're going to know, wow, that just doesn't feel right you know, or like you get that kind of full body. Yes. You get like, you know, goosebumps, truth bumps, whatever you want to call yeah, them. I like so truth bumps. Yeah. You know, and you're like, Oh, that's a yes. And you don't even need to know, you know, you can kind of, your, your body can give you information in a so much more quick manner than, than, than your mind. And the mind kind of like, you know, takes its time to, to get to places, but your body is always, always taking in information, digesting it and presenting it to you, you know, but it's, we tend to kind of, we tend to like, shut it down or just maybe cram a bunch of food on top of our feelings as a way of being in our body. I, I just speak for myself, but, um, yeah. So I don't know if that's, really- yeah, no, that's, that's helpful. And I think that, I think part of the, in supporting ourselves through that is just to kind of be mindful of when we're telling ourselves that we're too – or we, even when we hear from other people that we're too sensitive, we're too emotional. Um, mm-hmm. my, my dear friend Kate Courageous wrote a blog post uh, not that long ago called You Are Not Too Fucking Sensitive. Yeah. And she was just going off about it and how that's what we hear. And, you know, it's like what if we just tried on that perspective for a little bit? Like maybe mm-hmm. we're not too sensitive. Maybe our body is desperately trying to tell us something, whether it's a right. physical ailment, whether it's about right. something else. And that's what I like to tell people on the podcast. It's like, just try on the new perspective. You don't have to marry it. You don't have to totally change the way you think that you've been thinking for the last three or four decades, but just try it on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I think we're seeing a shift towards more of that kind of um, integration. And I think that that's, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, being successful in life and business and all this kind of stuff, it's going to mean that we actually, you know, pay more attention to, um, this other way of understanding things and understanding ourselves and that that's actually going to be better for the planet because there's been a, you know, a pretty long, we've, we've had like a few thousand years of, you know, shutting down the, the feminine sensitivity, like maybe just, you know, give it like another minute and see if I'm just saying like, you know, take a few minutes. Yeah. And, and, and see how business changes, you know, and see how, um, how, how our, how our day-to-day changes and then how that, you know, impacts the world and impacts our, our careers and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think, I just want to add one more thing too, before we move on to the next question in that, mm-hmm. and this is a personal experience that I had very recently. And I have, what I had to do was, you know, cause I, I see, I look around and I see my colleagues and other people in this field, like you, you know, like really tapping into their creativity and tapping into their bodies and, and just having the ability to trust their intuition a little bit more than I have. And I can mm. have the tendency to feel jealous and like do the, you know, the compare and despair. Totally. And I think that some of us need to go through that. And, and I did. And then I finally was like, okay, 
I, I honestly don't think I was ready to go to that place mm-hmm. of because it can be pretty intense. And yes. I'm not trying to scare people listening. <laughs> but I think that like wherever you are in your journey, like there you are. Like I'm not giving you an out or letting you make excuses, but just I think that what tends to happen is is we sort of like beat ourselves up for not being more like so-and-so that we see out there in the world. Yes. So I know for me, and this was right before I went to Soul Camp, I just made the decision because at Soul Camp, there was like all these different options to choose from different workshops. And there were the ones that were a little bit more heady. And of course mm-hmm. I taught one that was more heady and more intellectual mm-hmm. um, and conceptual. And then there were all these options for to go much deeper. And I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm going to do the stuff that scares me and that makes me really uncomfortable because yes. I, and I just want to be open to it. And here's another thing you guys is that I was mindful of being unattached to the outcome. Right. Because I think so many smart, high achieving women are like, all right, I'm going to go to this workshop where we're going to do some energy work and I'm going to completely unlock all of my blocks around my father. Totally. totally. I'm going to be the best at imperfection. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I I know now after doing this work for a long time, because there is perfectionism in personal growth. I see it. I see you. So it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to be uncomfortable. And I don't know what's going to happen on the other end. Nothing might happen. Mm-hmm. Something amazing might happen. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the tricky bit about also being in, in your body is because there's so much, um, there's such a, a like intense standard around what women's bodies are supposed to be and look like and feel mm-hmm. like and present as. And so, you know, unless we're sort of like, you know, tanning or going to the gym, then it's a, a really, you know, um, it's a challenging thing to sort of be like, well, what does it mean to be in my body and to actually enjoy that experience, which is really, you know, hard given, you know, how much pressure there is to sort of have the body be a certain way really can come up against all that, you know, right. perfectionist that. stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to like put a pin in that. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, be in your body. I mean, everybody says that, right. It's like such a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you really need it, somatic practices and being in our body and let's get, like, get a handle on your amygdala and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, yeah, but um, it's really triggering. It can <laughs> it's be. Mm-hmm. Really can be really triggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tread lightly, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> tread lightly. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. 
with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So I love the blog post that you wrote um, titled, I Want to Be Eaten. And I know that sounds really sexy, everyone. So Rachel, can you explain the gist of the post for the listeners and how you put that concept into practice in your life? Sure. Um, well, I was at this yoga class um, with Sarah Trelease, who is just an amazing yogi here in Portland, Oregon. Um, and she she really appeals to my kind of um, kind of intellectual side when doing yoga, which for me is not really about the body, like being changing my body, but it's about learning how to be uncomfortable. Anyway, she said the opposite of holding on isn't letting go; it's digestion. Huh. And I was like what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> like the opposite of holding on isn't letting go, it's digestion. And she kind of went on to talk about how um, in order to process things and to let go of them, to understand what you don't need, to, under, to have some discernment around you know, what, you, what you need to hold on to and what you need to let go of, you actually have to process a lot of information. You have to take it in, kind of chew it up, you know, swallow it, digest it, and basically kind of excrete the shit you don't need. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really helpful on so many levels um, because it sort of frames um, all of our, you know, um, understanding and, and development as being a type of digestion. You know, we take in, we consume um, information, images, people, podcasts, you know, material, whatever. And we process it in our own way. You know, we, we process it, we digest it through our consciousness. Um, and we let go of what, hopefully we let go of what, what does not serve us. Um, and it made me realize that, you know, there's such a, an overabundance of things that we are consuming, um, that we've kind of beat evolution at this point, mm-hmm. you know, there's just no real scarcity anymore. And yet we have this kind of organism where we still live in this biology that really has a sort of negative bias. You know, the brain has such a negativity bias because it's just designed to, to find problems. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, mm-hmm. we like evolved from these little proto rodents that, you know, we're like forever trying to get away from, you know, scary other things. And the ones that hung out and like appreciated butterflies totally got eaten. Right. And the rest of us evolved to be anxious. Like, so, <laughs> that's so true. It's okay. It doesn't like, it's not like you don't have like a massive character defect. You just, you know, you're just a product of, of, of your biology. And again, like kind of understanding yourself as an organism, as, as an animal is so helpful, you know, because it lets us sort of off the hook mm-hmm. about like, oh, I'm so fucked up. I'm so like, oh, I got to, you know, that, that inner critic that I love all the stuff that you talk about. And so I just was so excited that you invited me to talk because, you know, you talk about all the things that I think about. Um, and so then it, 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 the way then to sort of get clear on what you need is to make sure that you're not over like overtaxing your digestive system. And uh, in all ways, like just in like your gut, but also, you know, how, how many more, you know, uh, likes do you really need? Like how much more scrolling do you really need to do? How, how, how many more handbags do you really need to buy? Like do, how, do you really need three meals a day and two snacks? You know, really? (laughs) Eat when you're hungry? Really? Like, are you, are you, are you really, really hungry? Or like, it's, it's amazing. Like how, how much less we actually need, um, 
to figure out, you know, um, what, what we can let go of. Um, and so it, then it's just a matter of like, not, you know, cramming so much down your gullet, um, your sort of metaphorical spiritual <laughs> gullet or your actual mouth. Um, and then that, that, that keeps your system in, in a state of being able to do repair and which is why all of us are here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're here to heal and we're here to be healed and like to heal each other and to transmit our medicine to each other. And if we're overtaxing our system, then it's really hard to be discerning. And have anything and, left. Yeah, and have anything left over. That um, is profound, girl. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I read your blog post and and I and I loved it, but I, I'm so glad that you are and you guys, if you want to read the blog post, it's in the show notes, uh yourkickasslife.com forward slash sixty-five. And I I just I really related to what you were saying about how we are constantly in a state of consumption mm-hmm. and there's just so much great information out there. I mean, it is. It's I, awesome. I deleted the Facebook app from my phone because mm-hmm. I felt like it was taking over my life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I have a Chrome extension on my laptop where it totally wipes out my newsfeed. Yeah. I so love that. I, I, yeah, I love it. So mm-hmm. I don't see my newsfeed at all. I still get notifications, but I, I don't mm-hmm. see my newsfeed and that, but I still had my phone. So I was like, well, what am I missing? You know? Right. And so I deleted that and I couldn't believe how much space that opened up for me. And then I got major FOMO, fear of missing out, and I yes. put it back on there. And and I mean, even things like my husband and I did the Whole30 because he was having some health issues. I love I just, the Whole30. Yeah. I was just just too much sugar for me. And yep. so we did the Whole30 together and um, I didn't really see any changes as far as like I don't – I'm lucky. I don't have any like weird food allergies or anything like that. But it, emotionally, holy mm-hmm. shit. Oh, yeah. Like at night when we would put our kids to bed and, and yes. um, watch TV, I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I right. Don't, <laughs> like, I was so used to like eating food like when I'm not even hungry. Yes. And right. so it was things like that that I had to deal with. And I'm like, okay. And in those moments of not having Facebook on my phone, of not mm-hmm. snacking while I'm eating TV, mm-hmm. I really feel like on this whole topic of your body trying to talk to you, I yeah. feel like it was those – my stomach is like clenched up even saying this. I feel yep. like my body's trying to tell me like, let's use this time to just settle the fuck down. Right. Okay? Maybe maybe read an actual book with like <laughs> actual pages or something. I do. I, I do. I do that. But I think like even less than that. Like yeah. what if you were just still – and I yeah. – I, I feel like that's such a challenge for so many women. Like we just, for us to be still, we feel guilty about it. Like oh, yeah, we could, could be doing be all doing this stuff, laundry, but, yeah. I could, yeah, but I could be researching better schools for my kids. Right. Right. The list goes on and on and on and on. And I think yeah. that that's a process to even, you know, that's a whole inner critic episode all on its own. But I, I want to maybe just like give everybody permission to just look at the thing, not even like, don't, I'm not making you be still, like just look at the things that are consuming your energy and your attention and your body that actually don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. I think we distract ourselves on purpose. It's like, for me, it's like, what am I, I am distracting myself on purpose because there's something that I don't want to deal with. You know, like right. for me, it used to be, I would just get in everybody else's business. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't like drama. Baseball. I just want to know 105 percent of what's going on. That's right. all. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that kind of opened some some windows and doors for some people listening. Well, it's very helpful. I just wanted to say because it's really it's definitely a part of the digestion piece for me and my own um, sort of 
shifts that, that have come along in my life was one of the major ones was around eating at night. Um, and it's been a lifelong challenge. It was something I just did as a child, something my, my mother kind of programmed into us. Like I had a scary dad, he would freak out. Let's have some cookies. It's Mm -hmm. 9 PM, you know? So it was this very hardwired kind of thing. And it was about eight months ago that I just, I, I just, I, I, well, I hired a health coach, uh, Meg Warden, megwarden.com. Freaking awesome. Change your (laughs) life. Uh, but really, you know, and she's like, you gotta stop eating at night. She's like, you just have to stop. And, oh my uh, God. and, and I did, and I'm like about down, uh, 35, 40 pounds. That's amazing. Now, did you need like some handholding on that? Or I, how did it go? Oh, I needed, I, I definitely needed yeah. handholding. And I, you know, I text her everything I eat and I text her at night, all the things I'm craving. Um, I really enjoy miso, like a cup of miso soup at night, but I started going to bed earlier. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. well, fuck it. I can't, <laughs> if I can't eat, I'm just going to go to bed. Snack, totally going to bed, <laughs> which then made me get up at for the first time in my entire life. And as I've been a, you know, career musician for a few years and that meant going to bed at like two, three in the morning sure. consistently. But also I've just been a natural night owl and did all my creative, most creative work at two in the morning kind of thing. I'd get a second wind right around 10, 11 o'clock at night. I started going to bed. I wake up, my eyes like fly open at 7 PM or 7 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a.m. The very first, I mean, I'm like 38 years old. It's never, ever happened before. Um, and so that's been, you know, it's absolutely just that one thing of being, being willing to be really, really, really uncomfortable from around, you know, 7.30 PM till 10.30 PM, like three hours of fairly intense discomfort has absolutely rad- like been one of the most radical, you know, apart from doing some, some 12 step work and, you know, the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the therapy and all the things that are awesome that help change your life that not eating at night has, um, radically shifted. That's amazing. And talk about, you know, really listening to your body too. You know, I'm sure you knew for a long time before you actually took action on it, which I think a lot that happens to a lot of people. (laughs) Sure. You've got to like lie on the couch and think about it for a couple of years. Yeah. I'll start tomorrow. Uh Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it gave me a lot more energy. And so I wake up with energy. I don't wake up like really sluggish. I don't drink full caffeinated coffee in the morning anymore. Like there's, you know, I'm kind of a completely different person since I made this one small, but really, really significant change that really affected my digestion and affects the amount of digestion I do on, I think, a spiritual level as well. Yeah, very, very much. Very, very much so. I I totally believe that a thousand percent. And so speak, you know, we've, we've mentioned the word creativity a couple of times here. And and I think one of the saddest things I see is, is women not doing anything creative. I've talked to so many women who don't. And I know that you help women tap into their creativity and using it for feeling and healing. So first, what do you have to say to women who put creativity last on their list, if it's even on there at all? Right, right. Well, I think it often happens because there there people think that certain people are creative and other people aren't. Right. And yeah, no, totally not true. Um, and usually, you know, we probably had some kind of teacher that maybe said the wrong mm-hmm. thing or, you know, one of our parents was kind of like, eh, you should really have a backup plan, you know. Um, so there's often some kind of um, external critic became an internalized critic. Wait, I'm going to cut you off for just a second. Wait, hold your yeah. thought. Hold your thought. Sure. So um, have you listened to Elizabeth Gilbert's new podcast? No. Okay. Is it it's awesome? so good. Well, because she has a new okay. book coming out, Magic – Big Magic, I think, and the podcast is called Magic Lessons, and they're they're really uh-huh. short podcasts, and I love her, and she has different she she's basically helping people with creativity, like regular people, and then she calls her friends, which are amazing people, like um, 
It's totally uh, like um, Ann Patchett, who wrote State mm. of Wonder, and you know, mm-hmm. Brene Brown is on there. So, yep. anyway, Brene, um, it's the more recent episode, was talking about in her research mm-hmm. that when she interviewed, you know, thousands and thousands of people, that 85% of the people that she interviewed had some kind of shaming experience in school that affected them for the rest of their life. And 50% of those people, it was around creativity. That's right. So it's exactly what you said. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Like you're a terrible singer. You're terrible at art. Like don't stop dancing. Yeah. Yes. That. And I was a public school teacher. Like my career is actually my, well, one of them, but my longest one was as a public school teacher. And I was an art teacher, um, you know, for almost 15 years. And that's, that's kind of consistently what I saw. There was a tremendous amount of like kind of unlearning that had to happen. Even just, you could see like fifth graders already had gotten some kind of message and they're like, Oh, well, I'm not creative. I'm not good mm-hmm. at art. You know, it's like, you're in fifth fucking grade. You don't even know what you're good at yet. Yeah. Like what the fuck, you know? Well, and let me, let me, um, p- ask you something real quick. And so when yeah. you say art, so mm-hmm. describe what you, when you say art, what do you mean by that? Cause I think mm-hmm. people just think that's like drawing. Right. People think that they'll be like, I can't draw a straight line. And it's like, they have rulers. Like that's not, you know, the pinnacle of like human expression is not drawing, you know? Um, And one of the things I would do in my adult art classes that I would teach, especially with people who would absolutely have like a legit panic attack at the sight Mm -hmm. of a white page, Mm -hmm. I would have everybody like paint with forks or like Q-tips or even like brooms. Like I would just do this, I would have some kind of exercise that would, um, you know, absolutely circumvent this sort of ability to do it well because ain't nobody good at painting with forks. Mm-hmm. Like I have to get the fuck over that. <laughs> right. know, there's no like fork painting expert. But yeah, there's, um, I mean, to me, I, I have a really, really broad concept of what art is. And I think that that's part of what people need to, to come to terms with is that being creative um, is, is a fundamental aspect of being human. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what, that's what human beings do. They're, they're, they're meaning making machines. Like we just, we find patterns and we attach meaning and we, you know, this, this is, this is what, this is what it means to be, to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not necessarily a different kind of animal, although there are other animals that do like really creative kind of stuff like Google Bowerbird, just it'll blow your fucking mind. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, it, it's, I think it's about kind of redefining and understanding yourself as a, as an inherently creative person, just by virtue of, of being a human being, um, especially women who like create other people inside mm-hmm. themselves. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, yeah, but kind of like getting, getting past the, the, the very narrow definition of, of what, of what it means to make art. You know, because a lot of a lot of us, you know, the way we the way we arrange our desk, the way we set up our home, the kind of, you know, how we dress our children and how we make a garden. I mean, these are all, you know, really creative things Mm -hmm. that we even tell people it's like singing, dancing, cooking, baking, quilting, scrapbooking, writing, drawing, poetry, Mm -hmm. like speaking Mm -hmm. poetry, like all of those things are art. There's the, the it's a very broad spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And just enjoy, like, enjoy, you know, aspects of it that are really accessible, like color, you know, rhythm, texture, pattern. Um, like it, you don't have to like render, you know, an, a thing to look like another thing in order to be good at art. You know, mm-hmm. all, all you have to do is, is, uh, appreciate, um, how, how form and color, like, you know, interact with each other, mm-hmm. which I think we do when you like a lot, watch a sunset, you're like, damn, you know, if you can like enjoy a sunset, you can be an artist. Period. Yeah. Stop. I truly believe that there's something about creativity that allows us to a couple of things allows us to share our souls with one another. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't, but I don't think that all of our art needs to be shared with the world. Agreed. And that's something that I'm um, just coming to terms with now because I haven't ever, I don't even remember the last time I just wrote for me that I haven't right. put out into the world. So right. I was talking to my friend who's a, who's a screenwriter and she was like, that's part of self-care as an artist is like just doing it, it for you. Yes. But, um, really hard in the, I know. I just, I'm like, I, if I'm going to be writing, I need to like be be doing it for work. (laughs) That's right. It's going to go on a Facebook post. Oh my God. It does not have to be the case. But I think that I, I, that's what Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene were talking about is, um, that something happens to our souls when we create art. And I think that, I mean, are you guys listening? Like, even if you just schedule it, because I know y'all love to schedule, but even if you just, I gave it as a homework assignment to a client last week and she's got three little kids and she has um, family friends that are like begging to watch her kids and she feels bad. And like, what would you be doing during that time? Like, what have you done creatively? And she was like, well, I, I, I like to write. And I was like, that is your assignment. Yes. Go out and get some childcare and just, and write and, and, make it terrible, you know, write right. terribly. Like I dance terribly a lot. I, I sing even worse, but I still do it because like something yeah. happens. And Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I Just a, a quick story. Like when I was really lost, and a lot of people know my story, I got really lost in my 20s and not like on the freeway, like emotionally <laughs> and spiritually, but... Uh, 
I wrote in my teens a lot, you know, just like angsty teens stuff. And then even as a child, I started writing a book. And then in my 20s, I completely put it away. I did not write anything in my 20s. And then I picked the pen back up when I turned 30 and when everything started healing. Like, I don't think it's any coincidence that I completely blocked out all of my creativity during that entire decade and I was suffering. So go out and be creative, you guys. Please do it and do it, do it badly. Like aim, yes. aim, aim for, for like shitty art, like for really Pinterest make, fails. Yes. Pinterest fail is the goal. Like, because really, you know, the, the world is not going to be a better place because you didn't make something new, mm-hmm. you know, because, it, and because it isn't perfect. So the creative process can be this vehicle where we work with our perfectionism, you know, we work with showing up and we work with, you know, understanding that we're going to have to be our own best friend and be good enough. Even if our art doesn't look like, you know, whatever art you're seeing on the internet or on Pinterest or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- we're not going to be on our deathbed being like, wow, I'm really glad I put off all that creativity that wasn't going to be perfect. Yeah. I'm exactly. so, you know, I really, sh- I definitely needed to work more. <laughs> <laughs> Life is short, art is long. So. Love that. Like, I do. Great. And so the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap it up is, is how can women use their creativity for feeling and healing? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I, I think that the, the process is, is a vehicle for um, understanding yourself, um, understanding what you like, understanding what you don't like, um, taking the time, making sure, make, make sure you have a really long, you know, no list, like your two don't list so that you have the time. Um, to devote to the creative process. And just that alone, just just figuring out what you need to stop doing, what you need to say no to, um, what kinds of things are overloading your your creative digestive system um, is going to be, you know, a personal development practice, you know, because you're going to really figure out the things that don't serve you so that you have the time to make to do the creative work that, you know, that that is, that is so good for you to do, mm-hmm. even if no one else ever sees it. And, and a, a, a quick word about feedback and, and, um, critics, you know, like how you be very, very careful who you show your creative work to. If they're not in the arena, Brene Brown talks about mm-hmm. this. If they're not mm-hmm. in the arena of doing the kind of work that you're putting out into the world, their opinion actually doesn't fucking matter. Right. Abs- a- like if you're not painting, and like showing at like coffee shops or whatever, if you're not writing songs and, and playing them at bars, you know, for total strangers, then what you think about my painting and my songs actually doesn't really matter to me mm-hmm. because you're not in the arena of, of producing the kind of work. Like I'm going to pay attention to the people that are in the arena. Their opinions matter because they do understand. And I'm going to be really careful about the people that aren't in the arena who I show my work to. And that's a healing Yes. Endeavor. And that's a learning <laughs> endeavor too, because I think we've all made that mistake of like hustling to get the people that really don't matter sometimes to us to like our art or like our work. It's, isn't it insanity? Like we still yeah. do this. Like, oh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, especially if you had a dad that never said it, you were good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just keep playing that whole, like whatever, you know, childhood wound out and like trying to get the approval of, you know, the, the people that will then reinforce the story, right? you know, <laughs> that that's uh, so wonderful. We have like these wonderful little narratives that play out in our everyday life. And, and that's again, you know, where the creative process can be a healing thing because mm-hmm. you're like, wow, I actually don't need my dad's approval. 
to, um, be a good person and to make good work and, you know, to go, to move through the world in a way that, that feels right for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing with art is it's similar to bearing our stories and, you know, and and Brene teaches us, you tell people your story that have earned the right to hear it. And I I believe it is the same for showing people your art. And, you know, the thing is, is, is like, I don't, you know, my, like my son last night, he made this like amazing Lego tower thing that was like, I was so impressed. And, Mm. you know, part of the, most of the beauty of it for me isn't so much the tower that he created. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that he's proud of his work and he trusts me enough to show it to me. And like, that's the beauty that I see. Like I'm elated. Like I'm honored to be able to see this art that you have created and he's eight years old and it's Legos, but it's like, that's, that's what is so meaningful to me as, and I get, I'm his mother. So of course I think that, but I think that even as we grow up, like we want, I don't know if it's so much that like we want people to like it. I I do think that that's part of the case, but I I think Mm -hmm. that we want to just, it's, it's so vulnerable. Yes. It is so vulnerable to show someone your art. I mean, when I wrote my book and put it out into the world, I had no idea what I was in for. I, Rachel, like I got sideswiped. I didn't know. And I've shared this with my audience before. I was out for four months when that, when the book promotion was over, I hid for four months because I had such a vulnerability hangover. Yes. And luckily like all the, the, um, you know, I don't think I, I mean, mean, there might've been like a bad review or two, but I didn't read them. I'm like, nope, nope. Good. Good. (laughs) But it was all good. But still I was just like on the bed, just like, I can't, it just is hard. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in our own small way, like we all, we all face that and mm-hmm. we all, we all so want to be seen. We so want to be seen and heard. And so finding, you know, finding the right community to like, you know, who can hold space as they say out here on the West coast, I, on the East coast, we called it listening, but yeah. whatever, um, you know, people that can really, um, you know, give appropriate, helpful, constructive feedback. And it helps you also appreciate, like, if you can, like, look at your own work and find things to appreciate about it and not just pick it apart and be like, okay, well, I hate it, but, you know, which is going to be, like, negativity bias. Like, that's just how the brain works. It's cool. It's not, like, a bad thing. It's all good. But really understanding that you can, you know, find things to appreciate about your own work and it helps you appreciate things in life. Absolutely. You know, and, and ramp your gratitude up, which is, you know, one of the main things that keeps us all going, I think, is finding things to appreciate. Yay for gratitude. Well, Yay for gratitude. thank you so much for being here and instilling you. your wisdom on us. This has been such a treat for me, and I have learned That's so nice. much. And um, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, is it Rachel? It's rachelrice.com. You can correct? go to rachelrice.com. It's, yeah, it's R A C H A E L, but on, you know, find me over on, on the social medias and stuff. I, I love connecting with people and, um, she I'm has just amazing art. Everyone find thank it. Thank you. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of Andrea Owen and, and I've been listening to, you know, the self love stuff and for years and, um, it helped me a lot when I first arrived in Portland, Oregon, sold everything I own, got here, somehow stumbled across your work. Um, I listen to those webinars and those those interviews like on repeat for a long time and it really helped me so I'm just grateful to be able to like give back a little bit to the work that you're putting out in the world thank you so much it's been such a pleasure and like Again, everybody, um, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 65. And all of the links that we talked about will be there, including the link to Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast and Rachel's blog post. So until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.